Welcome to the Two Hip Podcast. This week's guest on the Two Hip Podcast is a good friend, an old friend from a long time ago, one of my, my Syracuse crew from the, the old days, freshman year of Syracuse. He's done a million things since then, work on different broadcast stations out in um, San Diego, worked at NBC, I think, for a little while, ESPN Radio, the Scott and BR show, which was a sports radio show. For everyone in the Philly area, he was sort of like Casey Boy at MMR, Preston Steve show, the West Coast equivalent of that producer at that show and then worked for a bunch of things since then that we're going to dive into product design and has now basically transitioned his love for sports and product design into a really cool company i want to talk about but i'm going to let him explain all that to you uh himself so i without further ado i give you carlos montoya thank you thank you i really appreciate the invite yeah thanks (laughs) so happy to reconnect and uh thank you for the platform i I I'm humble to be here and be invited. So thank you. <laughs> I, I appreciate your coming. I was super excited to catch up with you because it's been a long time since we've really touched base. And I, I can't help read through your me- resume and just be like, holy shit, he has been cranking stuff out like just one thing after another. And, it, and it's just awesome thing after awesome thing. So I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> I do. I do like to just right in the beginning. I like to let everybody explain themselves real quick. Explain Yourself, the hostile segment where you explain you like you're on trial. Well, honestly, if I can go all the way back to high school, it was playing (laughs) sports, playing, you know, ball growing up. And it was my love for sports that kind of gave me, you know, the foundation, as many of us have, right? Mm -hmm. Rooted Rooted in team sports. But it was uh, really when I got older and was in the the competitive business space that I really found that competitive camaraderie with a lot of my um, colleagues. And it it really allowed me to explore a lot of different industries, allowed me to find myself working for a company like Tesla and when it was just starting out, it allowed me to, you know, cover sports teams that I grew up, you know, being huge fans of, like the Chargers. So, you know, it really started in sports, um, but I've, I have so many interests and I, I, I want to follow all those interests. So um, after Syracuse, I was able to explore and pursue some of those interests. And uh, I've had my hand in a little bit of design uh, in the startup world. And uh, even in the broadcast world. So uh, for myself, uh, I'm now just working on, you know, creating a company now. And it has a foot in the, in the sports world as well as the, the startup and esports world, too. Yeah, everything's, everything's kind of coming together. I don't want to overlap with a previous in- interview you did with Scott Kaplan on his show. I mean, I'm yeah. sure there'll be some, some overlap, but you, you did his podcast, I think, right? Hey. Right. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I was listening to that and and like got that vibe of just like sort of how this trajectory and and I feel like this is a trajectory for a lot of adults. Like after college, you you expect it to be a straight line and like, oh, man, I'm really determined to end up in this place. And Mm -hmm. you start in one place and then it kind of goes all over the map. 
And then at some mm-hmm. point, it finally comes back around, and you're like, oh, all this sh- shit is aligning perfectly. <laughs> um, yeah. And you're, like, you're seeing all these connections, like it's the Matrix, and you're just like, oh, I got to put all these pieces together. It's right there in front of me. And then you're suddenly right. you're like, oh, I have this idea, and everything kind of falls into place. You know, if you're fortunate enough to play sports, you, you build off of that. If you're, you know, a different type of person, you build off of that. But your your journey isn't contingent on your major, on what you studied at school. You know, right. you're, you're really able to kind of flex any muscle. And I met a lot of amazing people when I was at Syracuse that have all done things that were outside of what I would expect them to be doing, too. So it's it's kind of funny. I feel that's pretty common with our generation is Mm -hmm. we really have this bond of of really putting our hands and getting our hands into a lot of cool things and we aren't comfortable with just that career job not that there's anything wrong with being in a position for 30 years there's there's a lot of great actually but i think there's something with our generation that lends itself to to doing more than just one thing. Even if you are a nine to fiver, you're probably also, you know, maybe making art projects and selling them on Etsy. Mm-hmm. You know, the, yeah, there's a lot the of like side hustles and mm-hmm. people, yeah, just people, even if it's not a hustle, just people doing right. whatever thing they love on the side, you know, and, and not feeling um, like they have to hide it. And I think it actually makes for a, a group of people that's just generally happier. Like when I talk to people that have their hands in a bunch of stuff, it might seem a little busy, a little, little, overwhelmed to some degree, um, which I can understand, but they also seem like they're really interested in what they're doing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. I had a chance to study emerging trends. Uh, one of the courses I took in college and we all take interesting courses, right? That kind of stick with you as you mm-hmm. grow up. One of which was studying, um, you know, what we now call the gig economy. And the gig economy is, you know, a mixture of, you know, the technology available to us, you know, platforms like Uber and platforms like Kickstarter to get your, your foundations off the ground weren't around, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that plus just, you know, a couple legislative things that made those things possible and the 2008 stock, you know, freaking market crash and no one getting jobs and us having to be really resourceful and finding out other ways, you know, kind of forced our hand to be creative and do right. many things and do more than one thing. So, um, yeah, you got to kind of be able to juggle to survive effectively. You got to kind of be able to juggle. Right. Right. Yeah, okay. So, well, um, before we get too much into like a, the real part of the conversation, I have my one part here called the, uh, the two hypocrisy. To hypocrisy, like the recaptcha for authenticity, meant to be easy on humans, hard on gipster bots. I mean, I guess maybe the easiest one was when I worked at Tesla. I was driving a gas car. <laughs> you know, I wasn't able to afford that's like, the, that's the, so great. the. I love that. The seventy-five thousand dollar base price at the time, or a five thousand dollar test drive. You know, but. I was uh I was driving a gas guzzler and I was selling the dream of Elon and that's <laughs> turning everyone into an electric car driver and I always I always like wish that no one would ask me so what do you drive? <laughs> like, oh, crap. <laughs> that's almost like a, just a financial that's like a logistical thing yeah that's hard at that point yeah like, yeah like, right at like a low price point at least especially not in the beginning yeah when I yeah when we were when I was there. 
I guess another point, if I had to be introspective, mm-hmm. would be, you know, you, you really try to, all right, well, here's one that I'm working on. Maybe this is like, maybe this is something you're working on. <laughs> <laughs> no, you really try and, and be the leader that you think you can be. Mm-hmm. And you often fall into being a certain type of leader without realizing it. I guess what I'm trying to say is, is it's almost like parenting maybe where you're, mm-hmm. you're like, you're going into it being like, I'm going to be this certain kind of parent. But then you start seeing a little bit of your old parents in you and you start going, <laughs> Oh crap. Oh crap. Oh crap. Right. It's a little bit like leaders where, you know, not, not saying that I'm anything like Elon or I'm trying to be like Elon, but you know, he is, he runs a tight ship and all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I don't want to turn into that kind of boss. So I'm trying to, I'm, I guess I'm trying to not be hypocritical and saying I don't want to be that type of person and then be that kind of boss. Right. It might come out is what you're saying, even though you're you're trying to aim for one thing. Yeah, I understand. Right. It's like, I, you know, I'm the parent that doesn't want to like melt down on my kids and I want to have like <laughs> positive reactions. But every once in a while, you know, something happens and I just can't react in a slow manner. It's just mm-hmm. like a snap happens. And there might be some parents that, that describe their life as just nothing but easy, perfect reactions. But I doubt that. I feel like it's more, you know, you're trying to be positive most of the time, trying to model who you want to be or want mm-hmm. them to be. And uh, but sometimes, yeah, you just can't you can't keep it together 100 percent of the time. Something is going to break at some point And there's not much you can do about that um, <laughs> aside from trying to model, you know, that image the rest of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that was, I was kind of stretching on that one, but that's just, you know, something that I think it's okay to admit you're always working on. Right. Yeah. I like those. I like your answers. You pass, you pass the test. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. So you were working at Tesla. What, what year were you there? Was it? Uh, I don't know. 2014, maybe 15. Okay. Yeah. 2013, uh, I was there for a few years. That was a really exciting time because this was, I mean, they're pretty new to the world and they were still kind of had that startup vibe. They had this really exciting conceptual version of the future. And Mm -hmm. that version of the future um, really excited me. And that, that mission I really bought into. And... I had a chance to work in their Los Angeles office. They're headquartered in Northern California, but their design studio is actually in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I was going to school to be a product designer and specifically a car designer. And I had the opportunity line up where I was able to actually work at Tesla and go to school. And I was able to see the company from the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, Elon really go from, you know, a guy pouring himself coffee to a Tony Stark, you know, household right. name, you know, yeah. honestly, and, 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 and having that while going to school and studying to be a designer to one day work at Tesla was, was, that was my, you know, my, my life. I, I mm-hmm. all in. So that seeing that experience allowed me to wear many hats while I was at Tesla. I right. got to work the sales side, work a little, uh, marketing, um, you know, even conceptually on some design aspects for the customer experience to the showroom. 
that was really because we, you know, had at the time the number one sales showroom office in the world. Uh-huh. And we were really we had the attention of Elon. You know, he was coming by a lot and um, just having that opportunity uh, really springboarded me, gave me the confidence into starting my own company. That that really is where I met my business partner. It's where right. we got the, the kind of mojo that we needed. It was when, you know, the stock was, you know, well under a hundred bucks at the time. <laughs> you know, so we were, we were at a part of the company where it, it gave us the sort of a perspective that we needed and it gave us the motivation that we needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we met a lot of amazing people and a lot of those people are still in our world today. Some of the very first Tesla owners actually, uh, as you could imagine, are creative, influential, super rich, you know, <laughs> famous, you know, whatever they may be. But a lot of them we came across and we met and became friends. And some of those are still supporters of mine and friends of mine to this day. So mm. it was a beautiful, amazing experience all around. And uh, I owe a lot of the success I have now to being a part of that. So so I know you you also worked for a couple other car companies sort of uh, some directly, some indirectly, I think. But be- before I get into that, I just want to, you kind of were making a point that ties to authenticity because I do want to kind of keep that as like the, the thing that guides us in the conversation. Um, so sort of talking about making those connections with people, like how, how important do you think it is to just be who you are, like the most real version of you in those moments versus being someone who's like, trying to sell 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 or or like oh i want to make all these connections like a more stereotypical uh like la hollywood vibe like because mm-hmm. I, I feel like you don't fall into that category like you you seem to be more on the real side of the spectrum but like do you i imagine you're mostly connecting with people that seem more sincere more genuine but like does that just I had this vision that like the person who's being the most real will be the ultimate, ultimately the most successful. And those other people that are, have all these fake relationships, eventually something cracks, something falls apart, you know, the you truth hope. comes out. You hope, you know, I, yeah. I, I so know. like, do you feel like you've been that person, I guess is what I'm saying. And, and did that, was that part of like how you built these relationships? Yeah. I think that has to be your guiding light. It has to be your North star. Being mm-hmm. genuine has to be what guides you. And I think in a kind of roundabout way, what I was learning at, at Tesla from an early stage was it not being about the sale or about, you know, how influential this person is, but it's about the relationship. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. runs itself in the startup world where a lot of VCs and angel investors are used to people, you know, coming up to them and buttering up to them and, you know, asking them for money. And, and if you can just develop a genuine relationship, regardless of whom that person is, um, there will be some good that comes out of it because you're just being genuine. There may not be a connection between you and a person. Mm -hmm. And I found that if you can connect with someone genuinely, uh, that person connects with you, they're only going to connect with your genuine self. And if you're being fake or if you're not being whom you are, you're going to connect that on with that person on a different level. And it, you're not going to get that fruitful relationship or that you're not going to get. I guess what I'm trying to say is you're not going to 
that quality of connection isn't going to be there. Right. I credit my my own amazing wife for keeping me on the straight and narrow. I have a, a you know great business partner keeping on the straight and narrow. It's mm-hmm. it's not always easy to remain always genuine when you're trying to sell. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need someone in your corner to give you kind of the reminder or you know just a it's a work in progress always. Yeah, my wife works in like a sales position and she she is like the opposite of what you envision as sort of the the sales person because I, I feel like she's very honest like has a hard time lying is a terrible liar actually you can like see it from a mile away um but like she uh she, i think she baffles people that she works with in in different sales jobs that i've seen her in in the past and and her current job it, it because she comes off a very different way and it doesn't have this that sort of like shtick and what at the end of the day though i think it's what you're saying it's like these people latch onto that and they relate to it and they're like this is a real person I'm talking to. I don't feel like I'm being sold a product. I feel like I'm building a relationship and the product is like a secondary thing that happens to be there. And it's like such a subtle difference from an outsider's perspective. But like when you're inside that relationship, I think it really helps kind of bring everything together. Mm-hmm. You're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And it's not easy, you know, to be in sales and to be always genuine, you know, there's some times when you kind of have to, to walk a certain walk and mm-hmm. there's some skill in that. But I think ultimately if you can come back to it, you know, I'm, I'm no, you know, Buddhist or I'm no monk or I, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not a holy person. You know, I'm not saying I'm, I'm an amazing person. It's just, we all strive to be genuine. And I think if you can, constantly work on that then you're um then you're mastering the 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 game of life right (laughs) let's go back then a little bit more like let's go back to high school version of you did you feel Mm -hmm. like this like did you feel what were there more things you were using to sort of hide who you really were or did you feel like you were you've always been this kind of person i think i have grown into the person that i am Based off of life ex- experiences, mm-hmm. I had, you know, my my name is Carlos, and one in California would expect Carlos to be a good soccer player. But my <laughs> parents wanted to not have me fall into a stereotype, so they told me not to play soccer. And so all of a sudden, I'm playing football, and Carlos, <laughs> the football, Carlos, the football player, is experiencing different subset of friends and I wouldn't have had that experience had, you know, my parents thought they were giving me an advantage or a little leg up by not falling into quote unquote trap or something. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I lived in Northern California and actually, you know, one of my best friends, a football teammate, uh, ended up passing away. And that was a pretty life altering moment Mm -hmm. in a young person's life, losing a, uh, a friend, a close friend, and that also kind of humbled me. I, you know, no one should ever really be jolted with the gravity of life at at, mm-hmm. any, at any age and losing anyone. But I, it, it, it gave me a perspective in in knowing how fragile it could be. In short, mm-hmm. and then I myself a few years later got in a bad car accident, and I was mangled and I was totally wrecked and I fortunately was able to walk and you know I had a a busted leg and everything but Uh those I remember carrying you around a little bit (laughs) 
Yeah, I came back to Syracuse uh, after I'm that. I'm glad you were back. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Those those moments in life, even from high school to college, round the edges of the sharp, you know, square box of life. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it like really <laughs> it really gave me just life perspective at a young age that I don't think I'd be the same person if I didn't have those big moments. And again, it goes back to sports. I think my parents were trying to do the right thing by giving me, you know, by forcing my hand on a few things. But <laughs> I, uh, high school was funky. It's funky for all of us. Even if, you know, you, you think you're, you got it right, you don't got it right. Right. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I moved to high schools and I ended up uh, graduating from a high school in San Diego. And in San Diego, we our senior year and junior year won uh, the CIF championship. So CIF in is, football, uh, I'm guessing, like Central California or something like that? What is that? I, I don't actually know what it stands for. <laughs> I, something I California know. Interstate Football well, or something? Yeah, I'm guessing California and something football, right? That's like <laughs> I have no idea. But it's it's like our section. It's the highest kind of level you can get at the time. I think now we have state championships. But, okay. you know, that crooked journey, right? We're talking the crooked journey that kind of led me to San Diego and, you know, the whole family moved down and we ended up being a part of a, a great school with a good program. And, and that was actually what led me to Syracuse. Having a football background was, I got a letter from Syracuse saying, Hey, you should, uh, you should think about trying out. And I was, I was like, Wait, what? Who? Syracuse? <laughs> no way. Yeah. There was not even like a blip of a chance for a scholarship. I don't even think they would have let me walk on, but somehow I got snuck into the, the mailers list and I got a <laughs> I got an official, hey, come check us out. But uh Hey, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So then that's how I ended up visiting the campus and mm-hmm. the campus for you know, those who've been is just gorgeous. And uh during the summer it, steals your heart and then during the winter you freaking want to run <laughs> <laughs> well especially someone from california from san diego <laughs> yeah Heck yeah yeah that's kind of what high school has built upon and mm-hmm. now we are here it's uh it's unfortunate when someone passes away in your life at a young age but it is amazing how defining that is and and it's it's a it's a strange trend that i find in people that i talk to they have some moment where someone was lost or or maybe not entirely the case but some sort of life-threatening moment but like my father passed away it was a sophomore year of college but he was ill kind of leading up to that and then right before that though before between uh high school and college i took a road trip like a cross-country road trip that was amazing but at the very end of that we we flipped and we had a very traumatic accident my friend jeff and i he flew out of the car it rolled three times like Whoa. medevac uh on a plane like all through this uh, crazy yeah. part of northern Arizona. I mean, it was it was insane. But at the end of the day, it's one of those things that like shapes who you are and gives you that perspective. Like you said, you have this car accident. You're just like, holy shit! Like, what am I doing? Like, it's it's a good motivator, which is really unfortunate. And in my mind, uh, I think even Pat Oswalt, the comedian, comedian. If you ha- haven't heard of Pat Oswalt, you've been living under a rock. He actually has a whole bit about like I think with his kids, like if you want kids who are creative. You have to either be incredibly boring so that they're bored to tears and have this drive to go do something else, or you have to have something tragic happen, right? Like, it just has to be so tragic. 
just like scar you for life that you then like become this creative person uh, later and you, you know you have all this drive and it, it, I just want to know like how can we get the sort of more everyday kids to have that perspective without actually going through it you know um, right. we obviously don't want everyone to die in order for people to learn lessons it, it's an amazing thing that it does especially uh, when you're young I mean I, I, I imagine there's a point where it's it's too traumatic like for some people at a certain age but there's a there's an age where maybe it's like the end of high school into into college where you have a little bit of sense and it, it kind of like steers you under the straight path. Um, you could find it maybe anytime, you know? It's like you don't you maybe don't know what it what it is until later in life. I mean, we, we were fortunate enough to have come out of that those accidents, you know, right. having you know uh, I, I assume, you know, all our fingers and toes, you know. Right. I, all of that being said, it's like that puts things in perspective and you know had it not been for that accident and quite literally being physically injured i wouldn't have i don't think had my career in radio the the that that rerouted you uh out of syracuse and, and back to san diego right exactly yeah so that that car accident brought me back to my family and that being recovering from the accident Actually, I had a chance to turn on the radio because I didn't have a TV in my in my room at the time. And <laughs> and listening to the radio when you can't sleep, you I I was finding myself really enjoying the morning show and really right. enjoying <laughs> certain characters throughout the day. Yeah. And I found my, my friend being the radio. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it felt a little strange, but I I've, I've became a, a fan of of one of the shows, and it was through my injury. And listening, you know, every morning at a certain time to where, you know, I felt like I knew these guys and I felt yeah. like I could email them. And I did. I reached out and uh, it was the Cantori Morning Show in San Diego. These were like some of the biggest names, I would say, in San Diego. They had been around for right. like 10 years. Yeah. And I was just some random guy that emailed them. And I, and I hobbled in there and uh, they gave me a chance. And that's where I met <laughs> this guy named Ruggy. That's where I met the host. And it in crutches and all, I was able to sit in for about an hour of the show and, and seeing kind of the behind the scenes Wizard of Oz of how radio is produced and made. Yes. I was like, I was in heaven. I was like, I got to do this. I, the, the wall of vinyl records, the audio, the mic, the studio. I was like, this is it. And yeah. if it hadn't been for that, I would have not had the chance to uh, start my radio career right then and there. And then that, yeah, that built up for many years, right, into uh, what was then the Scott and BR show for a while, too. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, those those guys are also huge uh, for people on the who aren't uh, in San Diego or the West Coast. Um, <laughs> you know, you can look them up. We'll include some links for all this stuff. We're all doing the same thing, you know. It's like we're stuck in, like, a super creative industry, but, man, the business is brutal. It's it's dirty. It's It's rough. It's rough. Ooh. So I've, I've yeah. worked with a lot of amazing people who just got burnt the fuck out. Mm. That shit. Okay. So those old timers and the the guys that have hung in there, like the Scott and BRs, those guys are those guys are legends. Those right. guys are, you know, those guys are legends. So kudos to all the people, all the radio hosts who stuck it out for a decade plus. Holy right. shit! Who <laughs> weathered it? Weathered the weathered the storms. Uh-huh. And uh, but but part of that I think was like. I actually listened to you while you were on air, like back then. I was kind of keeping tabs. 
was like, oh, I didn't. Carlos is doing this radio show, and then I heard you a couple times on air, and it kind of ramped up. Like you were on air more and more. Right. Um, right. And, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Um, but it seemed like you. The more I heard you on air, I was like, he's really coming into his own. Like you're just more. It was more you, like the real you, coming mm-hmm. out. And I think that's a good thing to realize that, like, even on a radio station with all these people listening, like the real you kind of can come out, and and then you become like if you can say stuff in front of all those people. Like, why mm-hmm. can't I just talk to this guy here? Why can't I do this? And another thing I, I know I'm sure you were doing, because I know what producers do on, on radio shows, but, like, you were probably constantly trying to, to talk to people to get them on the show and, like, what's our, who's our next guest, right? Like, you're trying to set some of that stuff up. And, yeah. like, in the process of doing that, A, you're building relationships. B, you're learning how to talk to people like a real human. And, and I think, like, you're really sort of coming into your own. Did you feel like that was... Like, if you had to say, like, a defining aspect, was that the defining aspect that, like, helped you grow into who you were later? Yeah, I give all the radio hosts that gave me a chance, the Cantores, Matt Diablo, Mm -hmm. the Kaplan's, those guys gave me the opportunity to mature. They Mm -hmm. gave me a platform to, 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 to get confident. They gave me a reason to walk into a locker room, you know, full of, you know, football players right out of practice and have the confidence to go up right to a, a guy after he's had a, a shit week right. and say, hey, come, and come on the show tomorrow morning at 730. You know, that's, that's only you're only going to book that guy if you have a rapport with him, right. you know, when he had clothes on and, uh, you know, out of the locker room. But you yeah. need to develop that connection, that genuine connection. You can't bullshit, you know, a guy who's making millions of dollars and is getting requests left and right to come on a show, you know, if he doesn't trust you or if he doesn't know you, you have the best in him. And I also learned the hard way a few times. I thought I was cooler with some guys and they <laughs> blew me off, you know, right. and, or there'd be a few other times where, you know, I, I just, you know, dropped the ball together. But the, the whole idea is, is you're learning mm-hmm. and being genuine is what I felt those hosts gave me, gave a few of my other producers that I worked with. Mm-hmm. The, the confidence, the, the Teflon skin. I'm, I'm only here because they gave me a, the, the ability to communicate across any platform in any scenario. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Another thing I have to bring up before I get into uh, your current, what you're currently doing, because I do want to talk about that too. I want to go back to sort of some of our time together for a minute. And uh, yeah, <laughs> we, so People that have listened, I don't actually know if I've said this yet on the podcast, but when I was in college freshman year, I had just gotten a camcorder, like senior year, as a graduation gift, uh, just like a handy cam. And I was so excited by this. I was like, I'm going to film in college. And in the very beginning of college, I don't even know if it was my idea or someone else's idea, but someone's like, let's just film like it's the real world. And so <laughs> effectively, I'm, I'm bringing up old old things for Carlos. He's like, uh. Um, but I, I was like, I need to capture this this moment in time, and I filmed so much hours and hours and hours of footage of just first semester initially. Yeah, like like at, at least thirty hours of footage. Burn it, <laughs> burn it. Yeah, that's what everybody says, and I talk to them, like burn it. That's evidence. But no, hold on. But uh, but I whittled it down and made a movie. What was really fascinating about that is I feel like there was a lot there was a lot of like people putting on a show, like being a little bit different than who they were, because. He, what you realize in that process is what everyone said for years about sort of uh, what's the word like reality TV, right? Is not reality. 
And I guess I always knew that, but but like living it was very different. Even though it was not going to ever be broadcast anywhere, we all treated it like, hey, someone is going to see this. At the very least, Danton is going to look at this and know that I was an <laughs> asshole this time or that I was like doing something here or like, you know, caught me half naked running down this hallway, whatever the case may be. And it was this thing where it like exposed – it actually almost made people more fake on the camera, which was hard to deal with. And I felt like – most of the time, I feel like you were one of the people that was still kind of had it together and like wasn't putting on as much of a show. I think everybody did a little bit, myself included. But there's yeah. one moment that I refer to as like this this amazing moment that happened where I had the camera and every every now and then I would just put it in a room and I'd walk in, I'd put it and put it on top of like a dresser and hit record. And most of the time, people remembered it was there. But there's one night, me, you, Jordan, Zach, Andrew, a couple, you know, all these people that we live with. Uh, I miss those. Yeah. yeah, we were we were all in a room together, and I have looked at this one scene, and it is, it's amazing because we all forgot the camera was recording for pretty much the whole thing, and it's like this amazing capture of actual, really what it was like to be at that time. And so, out of all these hours of footage, there was like you know maybe thirty minutes or something in this room where we were filming this, where it felt like that's that was the reality. And so I look at that moment, I was like, man, that's. That's like wow. really who we were in that moment. And it was very fascinating. And I don't, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to share it with anybody. So you don't have to worry. Uh, it's not going to be like put, put out on uh, movie theaters anytime soon. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I such don't an think interesting experience, you know, to run for office. <laughs> so I think we're yeah. There. I think a few people in that group might run for office. There's a couple people that have startups. I, uh, uh, okay. yeah, I, I don't like to use yeah. the, the word blackmail lightly, but, Oh my gosh! I know. He would be the only person where I have some blackmail. That is so cool. I I I don't I don't remember that the the video camera coming out, but man, that would be so cool slash so terrifying to go back through and go down memory lane. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a very weird thing to like. Was that before camera phones? I'm not trying um, to. I think camera phones were kind of at the time, but it wasn't recording as much as now. Yeah, uh, right. It was kind of like, the very beginning of camera to like video. video. Yeah, that was that was like the only way to do it. I think when yeah, oh my yeah, god, the, the odd guy at parties like we would take it everywhere. So I'd have like a camera. Um, it kind of <laughs> put like the flashlight on my personality, and I, I realized a lot about myself that I was like, man, I am an asshole human. Like this, I need to change this. Um, but you know, I think so. I in, in a lot of ways, I want to show it to other people and be like, hey, this was you, you know. Mm -hmm. X number of years ago, this is who you were at that that point in time, and if I feel like if people had seen it when I saw it, because I was editing it like right after it happened, and I was it, it was if you look at my personality from from freshman to sophomore year, it was night and day, and it was because of watching myself in all these videos and just like wanting to vomit after after oh, editing, self critiquing. That's oh, almost yeah. like a big time. It's almost an experiment in and of itself. I think Go that was when I sort of became self-aware. Yeah, just like looking at that. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's 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 a little different when you I guess you have like a podcast or a radio show where sometimes you're forced to listen back to yourself and you're like, God, I fucking hate my voice or I can't <laughs> listen to myself or man, I, I wish I could have said that a little better or or right. whatever. It's like when you get the chance to listen back to it, you you have chance to coach yourself and and and, and kind of give yourself the the next time around. Some self pointers, so mm -hmm. I can only imagine what you, what would happen if you have the video aspect to it too. You're like, yeah. man, why did I dress like that? <laughs> and I just, uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I, but, I, uh, I want people to experience that to some degree. I just don't know. You know, no one's going to submit themselves to that torture most of the time. Um, and for some reason, we had a group of like 40 people that were all agreeing to this. It sounds like a, uh, the beginning of a Black Mirror episode where like this very innocent, you know, college party turns into <laughs> this retrospective, like everyone must learn and be better people from it. No. <laughs> Have you yeah, seen any like you, of Black you have to be educated that way. Oh, I've I've seen tons of Black Mirror. Yeah, the whole oh all of it. I haven't seen the Bandersnatch, the latest one, but uh, I've seen everything else. Yeah, it's terrifying. They're all rooted in elements of reality that just feel a little too close to home. Right, like it's it's just there, but like a little bit more demented. Like that's all you need is that one little step, and yep. that's that's what we had in this. Like the other thing it, that it did at the time, like sort of a few years after I had filmed it, I would go back. And even though I hated myself, I was having these moments of like hardcore nostalgia, which were really hard. Like it was like, I need to let go. Like most people let go of this ridiculous. Like freshman year is notorious for being just the most terrible. Like like you're the worst people. You know, all interacting with each other. You're just a mess, and mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to get past that. You know, a lot of the time. And it's, it's at the same time, it was like wildly fun though. So you have this nostalgia, and like the, you you remember these good moments. The tendency with the video too was it was only capturing like the really crazy things. It wasn't capturing like the tortured, you know, staying up late nights doing studio and then like trying to like not see my friends for weeks on end because I was just doing project after project and like failing all my classes and just yeah, all that yep. kind of stuff. So yeah, it's, it's a little bit torturous, but I think we we both came out of it. Actually, there's a whole whole swath of people that that were in that video that are doing very well right now. So it's it's an interesting. Yeah group of people that we were all with in the the international living community which was made up of all national people i know it was a it was a good group of misfits and i wouldn't yeah. be upset if you uh if you somehow pulled together a reunion of the ilc i will see i'd love to see all those guys and gals yeah let's uh <laughs> we'll see who who does that maybe farrah can host it somewhere in uh in san francisco <laughs> oh, with all sure. his uh, his uh Silicon Valley types, and you know all these high rollers now. Can't Elon just like rent out a, a building for us? <laughs> no, no, I I don't know him that well. I'm not I'm not Joe Rogan cool. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, you're not yeah you're not smoking with him on a on a pod. Um, <laughs> right, right. So you you did see like do you feel like you saw some of the real him because you were there sort of on the the front end of the super fame. Uh, I feel like he was always bigger than life. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a quite literally, physically, he's a big statured individual. I think right. all of us really saw him as a rock star before everyone else saw him as a rock star. So he's he just was, one of those personalities that's just very big and like maybe at sometimes yeah. a little intimidating, like harder to break through. Right, right, yeah. Just having you know, just the opportunities, just to be a part of conversations that you know led to you know some some changes within the company, you know, it was just a, an exciting time because he was listening at the time. You right. know, he was taking, there was no you know, hierarchy on good ideas. And that was something that uh, I, I take to, you know, my style of leading, you know, the company now, you know, there's right. no hierarchy in ideas, you know, there's a good idea. It's going to rise to the top. doesn't matter where it came from. Yeah, I think um, he. I mean, he will definitely go down as a, one of those leaders in history, regardless of the success or failure of his companies in the future, and however that pans out. But uh, I think just for for the sort of trajectory that he's set and the momentum 
and the the sort of vision, as you said, for people into the future. I think that alone, I would be happy. I mean, he's he's has his uh, downside. He's, I know he's done some things that maybe everybody doesn't agree with, but at the end of the day, I think that's what's gonna it's gonna boil down to. Yeah, he's he. I think we all you know can safely assume that he, if it wasn't for Tesla, SpaceX is gonna you know cement him in the in the 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 Hollywood Walk of Fame mm-hmm. forever. Yeah, but it was. I, Man, it was just so cool to to have that experience, and I I don't I don't take it I don't take it lightly. It's it's definitely <laughs> something I reflect on all the time, and it's my business partner and I talk about it all the time. It's we a lot of our business ventures are kind of predicated on that Tesla business model, actually. So we right. so let's get into that. Actually, let's let's enough of Elon Musk. This is a podcast about you for crying out loud. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so being you and and doing all these things that we've talked about has led to you being the person you are, making all these connections, building all these relationships, and that gets you to your current company. So could you explain what that is? Because I think it's really interesting. So Joy Tops is an esports hardware and accessories company. So Joy Tops stands for a joystick topper, actually. And my business partner and I, while we worked at Tesla Motors, being competitive and both having a sports background, he challenged me and if it wasn't for a game of horse would be a game of you know fifa or (laughs) nba 2k or something and and it was you know me going over to his house and experiencing his busted video game controller to where we we were experiencing this problem of whoever played with the worst controller typically lost the game and it was (laughs) And it was frustrating, right? Because he, you know, he's we're trash talkers, you know. We'll, we'll give each other a little shit here and there. <laughs> but being a product designer, uh, I knew we could solve this issue. I uh, mm. just didn't know how. And I knew this was an issue that you know my other friends were facing. And it was back on the basketball court, and it was the actual grip of the basketball, the skin of the basketball, mm. that a light bulb moment in which. You know, this whole time, this this material that doesn't wear down very easily. Right. How do we put how do we put it on a, a, the the product that wears down very easily? Mm. And we fabricated a few prototypes, and we three D printed a few prototypes, and before you knew it, we had our very first product. And all of a sudden, it solved the problem for my business partner Brandon and myself, and we were just like excited that we had solved this one problem, <laughs> and we were right. just stoked and. We were going to call our company Joy Tops based off of this joystick topper. And, you know, we worked for Tesla, so we had all these big visions, but we were still in prototype phase. And so Joy Tops was kind of born out of a need. We created, you know, really a few prototypes that solved our own problem and then ended up having a chance to meet someone who worked at the Los Angeles Clippers. And oh, the wow. Clippers. <laughs> The Clippers actually had just rebranded themselves, changed their logo, mm-hmm. and we had a prototype with us. And, and and as the universe goes, we had a controller with our product on it, and the uh, the Clippers individual asked us if he could purchase a promotions promotional item with their logo across our product oh, wow. for every night of the season, and it. You know, to kind of fast forward, but that light bulb moment of creating the product to the Clippers asking to, you know, use our product as a promotional giveaway gave us the road sort of map and gave us the the fuel to form a company. And now 
now we not only uh, make that product, but we make a, an assortment of other promotional products and accessories. And we found ourselves now nationally distributed in Best Buy and GameStop. Uh-huh. So we've we've learned the gamut of getting into retail, maintaining retail. We've learned the gamut of manufacturing overseas. Uh, but you learn all of that along the way. But it really kind of started from an organic problem that we were trying to solve. And we quickly realized that this need, we could create a company around it. And uh, Joy Tops is now entering in the tech space. So we're, we're, we're an esports hardware company that has, um, has a real big chance of making a splash in the industry. Yeah. Well, I would say you've made a splash. <laughs> um, you know, like just looking it, it up on, on, uh, Joy Tops on Best Buy and, uh, GameStop. I mean, the reviews are great. There's lots of like people just like who've been waiting for this product, uh, which is awesome. And just having that touch, it's such a simple thing, but having it feel like the real thing. And the durability of it, you know, lasting longer than the traditional controllers is huge. I mean, it's a really cool product. I think it's 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 really simple. I think we get a lot of people who are like, oh, my God, that's like, why didn't I just put the skin of a football and wrap it around a, a controller? <laughs> why didn't you? You know, it's like it, we're not, you know, we're not touting ourselves as geniuses here. We're just implementing, you know, materials that have been tested and tried. You know, I can go and pump up a football my you know my dad's garage after a mm-hmm. few years it's still gonna still gonna have the same grip that i remember it so right. we're just applying a lot of the same traditional inherent uh products found in traditional sports and applying it to esports and really we're we we find joy tops and kind of right as the bridge to traditional sports fans who love that texture of a football and and esports fans who love playing Madden tell their fingers hurt. And so right. we, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I sorry, I'm, I, I just, I know how many games I played where like my thumb is falling off just from like, right. just playing whatever that moment of the game is where you just have to like do something crazy with the controller. And, uh, this would make it, uh, you know, a, a little bit better, I think to, to tolerate. And it would, it would survive me doing that instead of like breaking off at the end of it. Right, right. Yeah, honestly, man, it's like we all remember that nostalgic feeling, or a lot of us do, of like Little League, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the the stitching of the baseball or, or you know, a soccer ball. You know, those, those textures for a lot of us bring back that nostalgic feeling, and we're applying it to the modern age, wrapping right. hardware with some of these fabrics and soon smart fabrics that really were – we're capturing those people who don't really play sports or play video games, but love sports, you mm. know, or mm-hmm. trying to get the crossover to happen, trying to get the crossover to happen. And the branding aspect is really the business side. You know, that's, that's real estate that's valuable for companies. And uh, we've tapped right. into that. Yeah. I think um, another thing you, you were pointing out is just this moment in the process where you said, Oh, a lot, you know, a lot of people were like, Oh, this is a sort of straightforward process. And everyone always says, like, why why didn't I think of that or, or something like that? And you had your moment where you thought of it and you were like, yeah, I'm just going to do it. Like, I think that's that's one of those things that taps into being your real self, self, being true to yourself and having a moment where you just say, you ask those questions, why not? Like, why not do it? Why not just try it, see what happens? It's worth mm-hmm. the, the experiment and have fun and enjoy the experiment because that's you being you. That's that's you, you, you and your friend in, in that moment of, like, 
you were just so obsessed with this. You just, you, I had to dig into it. You had to create this thing, and you went that far to create a real prototype, and loved it so much. You're like, okay, we have to. This this works for us. Let's. There's got to be other people that want to do this, and then it builds from there. And that's mm-hmm. really that's that's boiling down to at the core. You know, you guys going after something that really it, it meant something to you, and then building mm-hmm. on that to the point where now you're then this this huge company that's in. I mean, Best Buy and GameStop are like the go-to places, uh, you know, in terms of like where you can go nowadays to get things like this. And then, you know, um, it's just to have that connection to the the NBA and any other, you know, um, marketing opportunities like that. I think is going to be huge. That, that's amazing. You guys are doing fantastic. Thank you, thank you. Um, we have found, uh, a, you know, a, a growing industry, and esports is. Is here to stay. Here, mm-hmm. he, he sports, you know, some tournaments depending on the video game. You know, you're selling out Madison Square Garden. You're selling out, selling out Staples Center. Right. And you know, goes back to me being a sport athlete and that competitive nature that that training, maybe reviewing tape, you know, developing the camaraderie with your teammates. That I can relate to, even mm-hmm. if you're a couple, you know, quote unquote weirdos in the basement of your mom's, you know, house, <laughs> you know, but that competitiveness, there's a, there's a connection between that and, you know, the LeBron James of mm-hmm. traditional sports. So, you know, my business partner, if he was here, you know, would say, you know, this is us, you know, this is an amalgamation of kind of our backgrounds mm-hmm. and uh, it really came from a genuine need and we tried to solve it between he and I and it, we then realized it could become a really special company, and we've tried to set ourselves up for the highest likelihood of success. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I think this has been – I feel like we've covered a lot of stuff, but it's all – it's really been tying back to just being true to yourself, which I always like. And so I, I, I do have another question I'm going to get to in a minute. But before I get into that, I just wanted to know if you had any charities or a, a place you could have people um, maybe donate. Donation directions. Directions on where and how to donate your donations. I know you asked me to have one in mind. I have two, but I'll <laughs> try and keep just the one. No, it's fine. Uh, I mean, you can you can do however many you want. So the the charity I'd like to bring to attention is the Unstoppable Foundation. This is an organization that empowers lives through education. And they fight poverty and bring sustainable education to specifically developing nations. And what makes them really special is they actually go in into a community and find what the community needs. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's around the five pillars. And they actually create a program that's sustainable. So when they go in... And, and work with the community. And then when they leave, the community has actually created an ecosystem to actually sustain itself long gone, long, long after everyone has left. So it's something that uh, I, I believe in. And uh, if I had a chance, like you've given me tonight, I'd like to uh, bring to, uh, to the table unstoppablefoundation.org. Yeah, that's I, I love that. We'll obviously cl- include the link. And um, I think what, what you're getting at, it's it's an organization that's not just about ha- handouts. It's about that philosophy of um, the expression, you know, give a man a fish, 
you know, and he'll eat for a day, teach a man to fish, and he'll he'll eat for his life, you know, basically. You're giving them skills that they can learn and, and sustain themselves for much longer. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that's, you know, it's something to be highlighted. There's, there's many ways to give, but this is one organization that I feel is, is really doing it right. Wonderful. Did you want to mention the second one or you, or you want to stick, stick with that? The other one is also an amazing organization and it's the Pavlov Foundation and it's Pav, P-A-B-L-O-V-E dot org. And this one is also a really amazing organization because it is centered around, unfortunately, um, he has passed, but a child named Pablo and he mm-hmm. passed from cancer at the age of six. But the organization was created by his mother and has developed a, a system in which will teach photography to kids just like Pablo battling cancer and will teach them this art, this skill. And those, those patients will go out and take photographs. And those photographs, after now having this new skill of photography, are then available to be purchased. And then mm-hmm. the, the proceeds of those photographs, and they are amazing photographs, like incredible photographs. Mm-hmm. Um, and those proceeds go back to fighting the good fight. So they're tagline is fighting childhood cancer with love and it's another incredible organization that that really empowers these strong kids give them a skill and you know if they ever you know do pass it's something that many people not just their close family and friends can hold on to forever so it's a beautiful organization pavlov.org uh, wonderful. Yeah, that's great. I, I will include that link as well. Thank you for that. I think we're going to get into one last question here, which is what advice do you have for anyone listening how to live their most authentic life from, from things you've learned in your life, your perspective? How, how can they be their most authentic self? Well, I think one way to be your most authentic self is to live with intention and that intention comes from within. So I'm not saying, you know, one should pray or one should meditate or one should pick up yoga. But I think a way to refocus your energy would be giving yourself the opportunity, building it in your day, that opportunity to refocus the lens. And it should be interpreted however that means to you. I think that is a a really good ongoing practice for those in the startup community, those interested in Mm -hmm. developing their own businesses, those stuck in a rut. If you can, if you can give yourself the opportunity to, uh, to set those intentions a few moments a day, I I, I truly believe that will be the best way or a, a way to live your most authentic self. Wonderful. I like that. I like the idea of just living with intention. Yeah, that's that's great. I feel like that 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 boils down what I was sort of taking away from this whole conversation is that idea of just you had these moments where you just had a thought, whether it was your business or other moments in your life. You're like, what what harm is it going to do to call that radio station and say, hey, I'm interested. I want to come by or to call this other place to reach out to have these moments where you you can you can just sit and do nothing or you can say, I, I want this thing. 
how how is the the easiest way I could just start or try to do that? And worst case, you walk away with it with a no. And best case, you end up making all these connections that build into a huge career that <laughs> that sort of sets you up in the future. Exactly. And we're all so busy, you know, whether it's the, the single mom juggling or it's the Silicon Valley, you know, CEO or it's, you know, the school bus driver, whatever it is, we're all so busy and that we'll find every excuse in the book to not give ourselves that moment or moments, but owe it to yourself. Work on yourself. Self-care, you know, is, is, is means should mean more to you than just, you know, walk, you know, taking a shower. So I, I think giving yourself the opportunity to, you know, set those intentions each day uh, it, it is, a, is a strong way to living with intention, being genuine. Wise words from Carlos Montoya, not to be confused with the person from A Princess Bride that I will not reference any further. I'm sure you get that all the time. Um, yeah, well, hey, at least it's a funny ass movie. <laughs> I, I, oh my gosh, it makes me laugh. But yeah, I just wanted to say uh, to say thank you again. This has been awesome catching up. I, I think this went in all sorts of directions that I loved. Fascinating just finding out these all these little moments of your life that I was maybe seeing blips from the outside and kind of understanding how everything fit together in the, the sort of random but also not so random way. Uh, and I really appreciate you being willing to uh, open up and talk about that today. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the invite. Thank you for staying, being a good friend and staying in contact. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I thank you for reaching out and, uh, you know, for anyone interested in the esports world or learning about what it's like to create a consumer product company, you know, I'm an open book. So, you know, you can find me through joy tops or I don't know, email me directly. I, I'm no stranger. <laughs> we'll include the, the info on the, on the podcast as well. So you can check it out there. Thank you again to all the listeners. So just again, you can follow on Facebook, Twitter, uh, at two hip podcast or slash two hip podcast. And there is now a new tab on the website for two hip podcast.com slash subscribe. And that's where I'll be listing all the places you can subscribe. It's on Stitcher now. I think I'm trying to set up iTunes that should be up there pretty soon. Maybe by the time I post this episode and, um, a bunch of other places, RSS feeds, whatever you want there. So you can follow in all the platforms you prefer. And if you have comments, feedback, guest recommendations, segments or topic recommendations, questions of any kind, please, please, please send them in to hippodcast.com slash contact, or you can also send it to two hip at two hippodcast.com. I think that's everything. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the two hip podcast. Mm-hmm.